Anthony, where can people, if people have questions for you, contact you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on on LinkedIn. Any question, any any comments, just like slide to my DM. That's how you say these days, right? Slide <laughs> to my DM. I, don't, I don't I don't know if that applies to LinkedIn. God, I hope I hope my partner is not going to listen to that podcast. <laughs> ben, we've got our cold open for the episode. You can slide into Anthony's DMs in a professional manner. Please, at, please on LinkedIn, strictly professional. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's episode, I was joined by Anthony Fritch, the Global Head of Sales Enablement at Coach Hub. In fact, Anthony is the first head of sales enablement we've had on the podcast, so he brings a unique perspective to the table, which I always appreciate. In the episode today, we get into how you build a culture of compete within your organization, but specifically how you can achieve that through enablement. Anthony shares some of the biggest enablement lessons he took from his time over at Google, where he spent nearly a decade on the mastery and enablement team, and how he's now applying that to his enablement function over at Coach Hub. Spoiler alert, applicability is key. We also get into how Anthony has built the brand of competitive enablement internally within his organization. He's done an incredible job considering that this enablement function didn't exist a year ago. He's built this from scratch and it's just coming up on its first birthday in one month's time. And lastly, Anthony shares why prioritizing enablement for revenue teams comes first and then his roadmap for competitively enabling the entire org as well. Anthony is incredibly sharp, super personable, humble as well. He also took this interview in about 45 degrees while in Berlin and had a smile on his face the whole time. I can't thank him enough for joining us and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Anthony Fritsch the global head of sales enablement at Coach Hub. He has built out the enablement function a year ago at the team. And prior to his time at Coach Hub, you spent, was it eight years at Google? Yeah, that's correct. Eight years. Eight years at Google on the Dublin campus. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Adam, and greetings from Berlin. Actually, we're like in the middle of a heat wave, so uh, I hope I'm not going to melt by the end of that recording. <laughs> Are you doing okay over there? I think you may be our first official European guest, too, so that is uh, that is something you can put on the mantle, too. Well, definitely. I hope there's going to be many more, right? I think this is the start. We, we had a session with a listener from, from Belgium. Hi, Len, if you're listening, uh, but we haven't had an official European guest just yet. So, Anthony, for this episode, specifically, what I really want to get into is how you've built or how you plan to build this culture of compete through enablement. So, I know you've been building out this enablement process at Coach Hub, and that a lot of what you're applying today comes from what you've learned from your time also at Google. Let's do a little blast of the past, get a, go back a couple of years. And get a, get a window inside what what you learned there. What did what did their approach to enablement look like? 
So, uh, listen, I'm really, really happy to share uh, a bit of what I want to call my wisdom. Hopefully it's wisdom. Uh, but, but before joining uh, the, the global enablement team at Google, uh, actually, I spent a decade in sales. Uh, I studied my career in sales at Wrigley. Uh, I was at Danone. Uh, that was when I was uh, back in France. And then I joined Google when I joined the large customer sales uh, team supporting automotive clients. And um, I was, you know, always very impressed by the um, enablement team that we had. So the enablement team, the way it is today, still was actually created uh, in 2015 or 20, uh, 2016 to really create that, you know, that that super engine to enable the success of of the sellers. So when I I felt like in 2018 it was the end of the road for me, actually in 2017. Uh, in sales, like for me, it was just a natural progression to actually move to the global enablement team um, because I still really wanted to to support sellers. And and what the global enablement team, so it's the mastery team at Google, is doing very well is that all of the enablement programs after a learner has completed them, like ready to apply, right? It's not that kind of enablement program is like, hey, yeah, that was great, but now what do I do with that knowledge? How do I apply it? Uh, and that's something that I took with me uh, here at CoachUp. Uh, an enablement program at Google was always a mix between, of course, product knowledge, because when you're in sales, you need to master your product knowledge. But on top of it, it was also a good blend of sales skills. So for example, objection handling or uh, different conversation guides. And on top of it, competitive intelligence, right? So that means when you actually mix all the three ing ingredients together, when you're a seller and then you're back on the phone with your client, you can already apply it because everything has been put in context for you. And that's often what's missing in a lot of enablement or learning programs is that, yeah, the content is great, but it's not in context. So it's like almost impossible to apply and it doesn't have the impact that it's supposed to have with the sellers. So what I'm hearing from you there is the, what I like is there's like the applicability is like, that's the kind of purpose for enablement, right? Is for what you're teaching to be enabled, like really is, is, is an element of teaching, right? So in terms of where compete has fit in, in the Google framework and what you're doing now, sometimes I've seen, like, you see like a, here's a competitive session at your QBR, our sales kickoff, and it's, it's its own thing. But what I'm hearing from you is it's almost it almost bleeds into all of the enablement practices that was going on at Google and what you're doing at CoachUp. Exactly. So I think what's important here is probably to get back to what enablement is. And what I'm going to share might be something very personal, but the way I do see enablement and the way I'm building the enablement function at CoachUp is really about removing all the silos that we used to have, right? So it's like making sure that all of the teams supporting the sales team talk to each other and they don't build their own thing without looking at what the other team is doing, right? So when we look specifically at competitive intelligence, a lot of time I've seen that competitive intel misses the mark when shared with sellers, because how do you apply it? If it is just like a repository of facts, like, oh, my competitor X like is 20% cheaper than me, but that's what they do and that's what they don't do. Like, how do you actually apply this? So the way we actually share back the intel that we collect with the sellers is that immediately we already structure it in a way that they will be able to leverage it when they are pitching. So 
what, uh, where we win, where we lose, where are the weaknesses and the strengths of our competitors, but also we provide objection handlings and how to handle those objections. So um, again, it's really around like the applicability and that you're able to leverage like that knowledge, like just sharing knowledge, like this is only halfway, right? You need to go a step further. Yeah, it's like, there's only so much you're gonna retain. Exactly. Or, you know, what, what I would add as well is, you know, a good enablement program is, is like not giving fish to, uh, to your learner. It's like teach, teaching them how to fish. So if your resources are well built and they know when to find that information, like this, this is actually is like a, a game changer, right? Do you remember something in particular? Like what was the most memorable piece of the enablement? sessions that would happen at Google? Is there something that you stuck with and you're like, when I when I move on in my career, I'm taking this specifically into whatever I'm teaching through enablement in my future? Well, and that's obviously Rome wasn't wasn't built in one day, but but the mastery team uh, at Google has such it's such a strong brand. Like everyone internally knows it. Everyone knows that every quarter there's going to be new programs and how uh, how, you know, what you need to do in order to qualify because you have some programs that are uh, only open for, uh, you know, certain category of sellers, you know, for example, specialists and, and really completing them is like, you know, it's something that actually creates a lot of pride in people. So that's what I'm trying to build uh, with the enablement function is really like get to that stage where it's like, it's a brand that is actually so strong that people are actually excited to get through those programs. What are you doing to build the brand then now that you're, you've taken this? You said you built this, you, you've kind of kickstarted the enablement function a year ago, correct? Actually, almost almost a year ago. That was last year, last year in August. So we're just like a few days short of the first year anniversary. Yeah. Oh, well, happy birthday in advance. But <laughs> so yeah, so what, what, what have you done to try and build this brand, so to speak? And this kind of blends into like what, what my original kind of opener was here that you part of building a brand is, is it's synonymous with a culture of compete that's often talked about from folks in compete. So when, when I say building a brand and culture of compete, they really are kind of like the same thing here, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's really the same thing. So, so what we've done so far, uh, like first thing, because when I, when I joined Courtshop, there was no enablement function. So that means that there was no system, no processes, or like no real enablement tool. So really the first step was to actually uh, get the right tools. So we build the structure. So the, the first tool, uh, the first uh, vendor that we partner with uh, is Seismic, uh, with Seismic and Destiny to really have our content uh, really in one place. Because beforehand, you can imagine the mess that, that it used to be, and Destiny as well with a very strong LMS. So this is something I still remember one of the first uh, time I got to speak at a, at a sales meeting, like the promise, uh, actually I signed almost with my blood there, I made to sellers was that we're going to make sure that we only use like a handful of tools, like as less as possible, but we're going to make sure that everything is in there and that if they actually have to know one tool, there's just going to be one and not more. And we actually stick to this uh, and really like every vendor that we're adding, like all the integration created that uh, integrated ecosystem is like super important. Same with the CRM, etc. We want to make sure that no matter how you access the information, you always get to the to the right one. 
right? Uh, so, so that's that was, I would say, what what kept us kept us busy for the first few months, uh, and then was really about delivering the first enablement programs, starting with the very strong sales onboarding. Like we really have the ambition to create the best sales onboarding uh, experience for our uh, SDRs, for our kind of executives and customer success managers, and then slowly start working towards more continuous enablement. So now we do have a strong product certification that is almost like our flagship program when it comes to the knowledge and the application of knowledge of the sense of coaching, coach-up uh, approach, the holistic uh, models that, that we follow, as well as all of the product knowledge. And again, everything has that sales flavor. is like, how do you reply? What conversations do you have with, uh, with your clients and with your prospects, right? So those are the steps that we're taking to, uh, to hopefully uh, build a very strong brand. You mentioned there that like a, a key and core component, especially when you're starting an enablement program. And I, I've, I've heard a lot of folks talk about this is you mentioned like that onboarding piece, like how do you get people up to speed quickly? How do you teach them to fish so that the moment that they're done with the initial enablement kickoff that they can hold their own in a conversation if something comes up. In terms of the everboarding piece as well that you mentioned there, like not just new folks, but folks that have been there for a while that you're constantly kind of beating the drum to build your brand as well. I think one of the things that you mentioned to me as well offline when we were talking before is sort of where you mentioned that like your battle cards are going to come into play as well. So... How, what are you doing to make these battle cards as usable and applicable as possible? Because there are often many ways that you can create a battle card incorrectly, that it's just not usable or applicable. Uh, and for anyone that's just listening to the audio, Anthony is laughing at me as someone that is a seller for over a decade before. He's probably seen a battle card or two. And you know what, Anthony, tell me. Without n- naming names, what is the worst battle card you've ever seen as a seller? Listen, I'm not honestly. I'm, it's not about finger pointing, but you know, it's interesting. Like you know, Coach Hub is it's still a young organization. We've only been out there for like you know four years, right? And we're already like a very successful scale up. So when I actually joined a year ago, uh, I was like, "Hey, you're also in charge of competitive enablement." I was like, "Fine." Can I have a look at the battle cards? And the battle cards were only, it was just a repository of facts. So for competitor XYZ, there's like, hey, this is what the UX is and how it compares to ours. So I wouldn't say it was the worst that I've seen, but you know, again, going full circle with what I've shared a few minutes ago, like when you're a seller, how do you apply this? How do you leverage that information when you're like, you know, at a, at a pitch? So the first one of the first thing that uh, that I've done with my team is like, hey, how do we make this, uh, you know, um, easy to leverage for for sellers? So, first we had to make sure that we had the right information there, and once that was done, we're like, hey, yes, we still need to have that repository information, but that is not a battle card. A battle card is giving you the tools and actually the weapons. Sorry for using, uh, you know, quite a war-related vocabulary here, but giving the weapons and ammunition you know, in order to win. So how do you do this? It's like, you have to be clear on like, why we're superior on some, you know, items, why we actually weaker, why we win in some situations and why we lose sometimes. And what are the main objections that you're going to encounter and how do you handle them? So for me, that's that's a good battle card and that's what was missing and that's what we have now. And, and obviously we get good feedback because again, 
you can never judge like very quickly because the information is already structured in a way that you can directly use it. So if I was to drill in on, let's just say why we win, for example. So if you if you have some notes on like, these are two or three of the reasons we typically beat competitor X, what else would be on a battle card like that to make it that little bit more applicable? Like, are there some things you're incorporating or planning to incorporate within the card so that it's, if a seller sees it, they see, oh, we win because of our support services. Is there anything else you're working on to make that even even tighter for a sales rep to quickly know what to say? Yeah, so like I would say we're nearly there, but now the way we are going to close the gap even further, one of the of the principle that we have in the enablement team is that the content that we're creating is modular, and this applies as well to the battle card. So, for example, we have uh, it's actually one of our um, highest rated uh, workshop during onboarding on competitive enablement, and there we actually have recordings of some of our con executives who are actually handling one or main objections that they're getting for each of our main competitors. So now we're going to make that content available to people like to sellers already in seat as well. So it's modular and we are going full circle because we are creating content that is available for everyone, no matter if you are new joiners or if you've been with us for two years. What I love about that too, is it kind of, again, fuels the brand because one, one of the cool things about that, when you showcase real sellers in the wild, nailing objection handling you're giving them a shout out too you're showcasing them which is part and parcel of getting people to buy in too like it's not always a take 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 it's here i'm going to showcase like you're doing a kick-ass job i want to show this to the rest of the reps i think there's so many things that someone can take on when they think of competitive enablement but these are like the foundational blocks the relationship building that needs to be in play winning is a team sport and it's actually one of our uh, core sales value and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It's important to recognize everything is happening out there and people who can inspire others, especially uh, new joiners. So for us at CoShop, this is true for you know competitive enablement, but it's true overall. For example, even when we're actually closing a deal, like you know, everyone that has been involved in the process, you know, from the SDR to the sales engineer or to whoever actually gets recognized. So this is really something that is important uh, is important to us because again, um, uh, winning winning is a team sport. But you know, I think it's also important to um, you know, no matter again your level of seniority in the organization, to actually always feel inspired. And you know, you might have been in the company for you know three years, but that shouldn't stop you for being uh, inspired by peers. It's like oh, hey, that's how you handle that objection on competitor X? Great. Like, I'm going to check. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it by myself if it works, right? You know, I think it's really that culture of sharing and, and really, it's like, hey, that's what good looks like, like still with pride. So your competitive fits under your enablement team, your enablement program. And I've spoken to a lot of different folks at companies that are enterprise level, you're, you're a couple hundred, like, I've talked to folks at various levels of company size and compete can sit in so many different places. The cool thing is, is talking with you, you're one of the first folks I've spoken to where compete as a whole really sits under the enablement function. And wh- why, why has that been the case at Coach Hub? Why did we, why did you look at it and think compete fits into what we're doing as an enablement team rather than it working with under product or reporting the product or reporting the marketing? 
Adam, you have no idea how many times I got that question. It, it, usually, it usually raises a lot of, you know, people are very curious, like, oh, why at CoachUp do you have competitive enablement sitting within, you know, like, you know, the, the, the enablement team and not marketing function? I believe this, this has to do with, you know, the fact that first, when it comes to uh, collecting that competitive intelligence, sellers are frontline. And what is great with sellers, no matter what we think or what we say, they will be the most agnostic when it comes to collecting that intel because they will get information about positioning that potentially is very interesting for a marketing team, about pricing, very important for sales ops teams, uh, as well as product features, so good for a product team, you know, you name it. So because they have in mind, it's like, I want to close data, I want to make sure that we position our solution in the best way possible they will collect all of that information and be really agnostic. So I think that's really the uh, what we have in mind when you know sitting uh, when having a competitive enablement sitting with the sales enablement team um, at at CoachUp. I, I love that. It's start with the sales team and it will. But there's more teams in mind. Yeah, there's there's more team in, because again, I think when if you want to have a successful uh, a competitive enablement program, it needs to be a company-wide effort. Of course, there's always going to be one team, no matter if it's an enablement team or marketing team that is going to push. Uh, because really at Coach, we want to empower everyone and not only sellers to really feed us with, uh, with that intel, right? So yeah, of course, sellers probably provide us with 80% of that intel, but like it's, you know, everyone's job to actually report back and, and share it back to us. So you mentioned, yeah, on your enablement, especially onboarding, but just enablement focus and priorities, you're you're starting with sales first. Uh, you mentioned from like Intel collection. And also I think to they often get left out of the conversation here, but customer success teams, I think you mentioned early as well on your enablement piece, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. It is like when I talk about sales, like I'm thinking, and that's probably because also like my past at Google, but for me sales, is basically everyone that is client facing from your SDR, BDR to the account executive and your customer success manager. So, you know, usually we actually tend to look at sales just mostly AEs and SDRs, but yeah, that this is like the entire, uh, you know, client facing uh, function, including customer success. Yes. When launching competitive enablement, uh, you mentioned, yes, yeah, starting with these teams first from a Intel collection standpoint. Are there other reasons why you start with these sales and revenue customer facing teams first? Well, I think it it has really has to do with the scale, right? Like I think, you know, probably half of the size of the company, it's actually sellers or like client facing coach hubbers. So it's actually the best to get started, right? Because that's when you're going to get the highest, the highest volume of, of Intel. You've also, when we talked online, you just mentioned a couple of times already, like, competing as a team sport. This isn't just about revenue facing teams. Although the enablement function is early days, I know that you have a vision for org wide enablement, org wide competitive enablement. Can you share sort of what your vision or what your roadmap looks like for how you plan to expand what competitive enablement looks like at Coach Hub right now? Yeah. So what, what I've shared, you know, probably gonna, gonna gonna sound like to you know many listeners like, hey, that's fantastic. They cracked the code. No, like you, you can you can always do better. And for us, uh, really, the the next step is really to get better at you know actually collecting that that intel because we actually realized that there's a lot of people even within sales and of course outside of the of the sales teams that do have some sort of information, but 
either they don't know how to share it with us or simply keep it because they don't feel empowered or don't believe that it's actually important. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be the 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 next piece uh, to really empower everyone to actually share. It's like, hey, you have some information. Don't ask. You know, don't wonder. It's like, hey, maybe they have it already. No, information you share it with us, and then we'll uh, we'll process it and see what we do with it. But that's that's probably that's the missing piece, and that's going to take us to the next level. So collection from everyone across the organization. There's a lot of people that have some sort of competitive insight whether it's product marketing in terms of then how you feed that back out and support teams so obviously you have your 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 customer success sales sdrs the battle cards the enablement sessions do you sort of have like a tiered approach to like who comes next like what teams like where does marketing start to get competitive content and support product teams the exec like do you have that mapped out in your mind yet or is that sort of a work in progress as as it comes well, I think for for us, the the next step is 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 very clear, and I promise I'm I'm not being paid to say this, but like really we're in the process of uh, of onboarding, uh, sometimes soon with Clue, because like we actually really believe that this is going to help us to close the gap, to have really that that common platform that everyone can access, to actually have access to that competitive intelligence and can also share back with us so that we can create that information. Like, I think this is really missing and really have, you know, a unified uh, uh, solution to support us with that is, is going to be key for us. So that's that's clear and that's that's going to be the next the next stage for us. Because there's only so much that you can do with uh, with, with a Google slide presentation or with a Slack message, right? You know, Adam, it's back to what I shared. It's like, it's really about teaching how to fish, right? That's, so if you know, it's like, hey, that's, that's where... Uh, all my competitive intelligence is that's going to be like very very easy and yeah so and you your experience seller your in sales enablement at the mastery team at google at least i from from what we've discussed so far a lot has been about sales enablement how are the needs different from for these other teams as well and when it comes to what they need to know about the competition to better better work in their roles. Like what is it, what are the needs for marketing look like that are different to what a seller needs to know about competition? Is there overlap? What is your, what's your perspective on that? There, there, there is overlap, right? But, uh, but probably where other teams, especially marketing or product teams will be struggling is really to have access to that information, right? So that's, that's where we can, we can help to, uh, to close the gap and really, there's some overlap because, for example, you get marketing. Marketing most likely they will be interested. It's like, what is the positioning? What you know? What it does? What is the messaging? What is their ICP, for example? But that's going to be interesting for sellers as well. But probably the way they're going to leverage that information might be a bit different. But again, I think there's 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 a lot of overlap. But the way the um, the, the data is going to be used by each team is going to be is going to be very different i i want to share a little anecdote because i we haven't we haven't talked about this yet but there's some we as a marketing team we had our qbr uh last week our own competitive enablement manager brandon who sits under the product marketing function here at clue he actually ran when you've been talking about enablement and sessions and when you think of like role plays you often think of like okay let's simulate a sales call However, what Brandon did for the marketing team, which I loved, and this is one of the coolest and most applicable things I've seen is 
he created sort of a competitive war room. And I'm sorry for the war metaphor again, but half the team was Clue and half the team was one of our biggest competitors. And then each quarter, you had to make your marketing decisions. You're like, what are our marketing goals? And we'd share each quarter what we're doing, the competitor and them. He had sort of a model baked into like how that would affect our brand, how that would affect our sales enablement, how that would affect our ACV. And it would turn out and then different hiccups would come quarter over quarter. And it really became applicable. And you start to think about, at least from a marketing team's perspective, about what the competition is doing when we're thinking about what is our go-to-market message. What are we sharing with sales? What are the what are the customer stories we're creating? And it really gave this lens into like thinking about what we're doing, but also what we're doing in the context of what competitors are doing. I think as someone in marketing, it was one of the first times we've had like a really applicable session like that. It wasn't just like, oh, we've seen competitors post a new blog or we've seen some stuff happen in the sales. It really felt like, oh, crap. What we do as a marketing team, it relates to what competitors are doing. It relates to how people perceive us. It relates to how when people do come into that first demo, what they think about us, what they like about us, what their perspective on their problem looks like. And so I just wanted to one, give a shout out to Brandon because he's the best. And two, really think about the enablement, these role playing, these workshops, they're not, they don't, won't actually just sit with sales. Like there's opportunity to do this with your product teams, with your marketing teams, like teams across the board, understanding the competition and what we can do to differentiate from them, essentially. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and thanks for sharing this. I'm, I might, you know, I took a few notes, so uh, you know, I might, I might get inspired. So thanks for sharing, Adam. Um, but but really, it's really about removing the silos, right? You know, so uh, it's hard, of course. The more people, the more teams you have involved, the harder it is. But at the end of the day, if you're able to to really remove those silos, like you know, the impact is is amazing, right? One thing as well, in terms of the vision for competitive enablement and vision for how this fits into your enablement function, how did you present that to leadership before it was even a thing, before it was even a part of it? Did did it come from them to you like we need to care about compete and it needs to fit under enablement? Or was it something on your end that you're like, I really see this as a great opportunity for compete to roll into enablement? I'd love to get a window into like what that looks like to get that executive support and sponsorship because to your point that you mentioned about the brand, you need executive backing on this thing too. Otherwise, it's if you don't have that sort of sponsorship or support, you're set up to fail, I suppose. Uh, no, absolutely. But it's actually it's actually kind of a funny story because I didn't really choose. But when I joined when I joined Coachup, I think I believe competitive enablement was probably one of the first topic uh, that I got to work on. That Yanis uh, and Yanis, if you if you listen to this, hi. Like I, I didn't really have a choice. Like, hey, we have those battle cards. Like they're outdated. Like, what can you do? So, you know, that's that's how it happened. And instead of being like, hey, is this really an en- enablement or not? I was like, hey, does it does it support this, the success of our sellers? Yes. You know, that's that's really how we think about the topic. When they'd be like, oh, no, it's not in our scope. It's more like, hey, do we enable our sellers to be more successful? Yes. So, yes, we, we should probably work on this or uh, uh, collaborate with uh, with other teams. So my, my best answer here is that I don't. I'm, I'm not even asking myself the question. It's always been here, and for me, it's like it's a no brainer that it should totally be you know taken care of our team. It's funny. I think the the core message I hear from you is 
does it help our sellers win more? Does it help them compete better? Does it help them be more effective in their role? Because at the end of the day, when you talk to your exec team, like that's what they care about. They really care about that high level. Like, okay, what's the point in investing in this from a tech standpoint, from a processor standpoint, from a headcount time standpoint? Why does it matter to us for a business? You put it so succinctly there is it's going to help our sellers perform better, which obviously ties to revenue. Exactly, exactly. And like, that's, this is really the approach that we're having on, on so many different projects, you know, like, I don't want to go, you know, off, off topic, but uh, our, our, for example, our product certification that we built specifically for sellers, we actually had other teams like, hey, we're really interested because we actually need to have the knowledge. Can you roll it out for us? So because we're like, hey, yeah, it's going to enable their success as well. We're going to tweak it a bit and make it available to the rest of the company. So really, you know, we're not we're not a business like, oh, my God, that's going to make more work for us. It's not really in our scope. It's really like, do we support the success of other teams and mostly sellers? The answer is yes. So absolutely, we're going to we're going to work on this. I don't want to take up too much more of your time because um, I think you need to get an ice pack or two to on your on your head to cool down here. <laughs> I'm, 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 st- I'm still okay. I'm still okay. I'm like, I, I can't feel the, the wind picking up. So <laughs> putting, putting on a brave face. I can't tell if you're getting really heated over this conversation or because it's 42 degrees outside. This one is one of my last questions, actually, because listening to you speak, you have this like energy to learn, to experiment, to test this there's this strategic mindset as well. When I hear you talk, it's like, there's always a reason to some of the things you're doing or the teams you're supporting. And I, I love that thinking. And so you mentioned there, like the, po- the point of this is to help to begin with anyways, is to help sales success. And then there's kind of this bigger picture as well with org-wide enablement on what the competition are doing and how we can react to that or proactively get ahead of that. But in terms of competitive enablements specifically how are you going to measure the success of this that's the one million dollar question right adam uh no joke joke apart the way we actually measure success uh with a competitive enablement is actually not uh, not very different from other enablement programs so same that's something that i took for my for my few years uh, at google like the way we actually measure the impact of our of our programs is actually like a three-tier approach the first one is, you know, pretty basic, the CSAT, right? You know, are, uh, are sellers satisfied with, uh, with that enablement program? Uh, and we actually do have quite a high uh, objective. We have an objective to have a 4.5 out of 5, which is like, at this stage, it's not even best in class. It's like really, it's really, really high. Roughly for, uh, for most of our programs, we are around 4.4, 4.5. So like very strong. Right. Then the second second tier would be to measure the confidence lift. Like, do our centers feel more confident after going through one of our program, competitive enablement or other enablement program? For this, we have an objective of 25% uh, in the learning and development or enablement uh, industry. 25% is considered best in class. Does that mean like 25% like you came in feeling X amount of confidence and then after the session you felt 25% more? Is that like a 20% delta you mentioned? Exactly, Adam. That's 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 the delta. Um, and for our uh, competitive enablement, uh, we are at twenty eight percent confidence lift. So we have really good results. And then the last tier, that's the one that's harder to crack, is what is the impact of business? 
are we closing more deals? You know, when we look at our uh, win loss analysis, are we winning more against more competitors, etc.? So, uh, so that's how we measure the success. It's like really that three tier. Obviously, it's harder to measure when it comes to business impact because there's so many other other things, other uh, factors that can that can have an impact. That's how we measure the success of uh, competitive enablement. There are a lot of variables and other factors into why you win or lose a deal. It's, it's so, so true. And that was, that's why it, sometimes it makes it so hard for you as someone in compete or enablement to prove prove out that what we're doing is a impact in dollars and cents. But what I love about this tiered approach, this foundation, again, it's similar to what Brandon, our compete managers, talked about on his, how he structures it is having that qualitative feedback that also you're quantifying too with these sort of like versions of MPS score and confidence scores is now you can tell a more layered story though too. Now you have this sort of wealth of like qualitative information. You can paint a more vivid picture about how Compete is actually impacting that. Like we can't attribute this totally to this win rate spike totally to competitive enablement because, hey, we just dropped a killer product feature that is blowing our competition out of the water, potentially. But look what our sellers are saying. Look at the score rates. Look at this 25% delta. Like That stuff all feeds in to being able to tie it to that business, those business metrics, which I, I love to hear. And Anthony, I, I don't my producer's giving me the wrap it up sign. I can tell. Well, I, I feel like we could we could talk for hours, you know, on an, uh, you know competitive enablement and especially for sales, right? I so. <laughs> I think we can. I think we will have to do it in the future. And the, the thing here as well is, you your program is very early days. The enablement function, and it's just incredible to see the traction you've come with and the foundation you're laying up for success. So I'm, there's no doubt that we're going to be coming, getting you back on the show in the future to see what went down. The successes, the failures, how it's working with other teams too, as you support the entire organization, because I think you start with these sales and revenue teams, but it doesn't sit there. That's only a part of the job. It's expanding across the org. So Anthony, thank you so much for that. Where can people, if people have questions for you, want to, want to reach out, want to any contact you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm really responsive. So yeah. Any question, any any comment, just like slide to my DM. That's how you say these days, right? Slide <laughs> to my DM. I don't, I don't I don't know if that applies to LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> God, I hope I hope my partner is not going to listen to that podcast. Uh, that was that was terrible. Sorry. <laughs> We're gonna keep that bit in. Ben, we've got our cold open for the episode. You can slide into Anthony's DMs in a professional manner. Please, at, please. On LinkedIn, strictly professional. Uh, thank Anthony. Thank you so much. This is awesome. And we'll catch everyone next week. My pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Bye.